You're listening to the Manchester Vineyard Podcast. We'd love for you to join us. To discover more about who we are, where we meet, and how you can connect with us, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description. What a, what a pleasure it is to be back. And um, what a pleasure it is to sing together this morning. It is well with my soul. And... Um, I don't know, for some of you, maybe it doesn't feel actually it is well. So often life and circumstances are not well. There's significant challenges, but it is well because of Jesus. And what a, what a beautiful thing to, to stand together and sing that. I have to confess, this morning I saw some of the kids going into their groups. I just noticed a few of you. I didn't get the memo about wearing like stripy black and white or gray and white tops. It's... it's Something that's quite significant is going on. Who knew that's the thing, but that is a thing. Um, do you know, t- today, I, I believe this talk, if we allow it, could significantly change us. It's been brewing in me for a while, and I've kind of got to the point where I've just pulled a few thoughts together. But before I jump in, I just want to share a little bit about some of our uh, neighbours where we live. We open the front door of our house, and we look immediately at the front door of another house. And... In that house is a a Nigerian family. They've become very dear friends of ours, and we regularly spend time chatting with them and uh, hanging out. Sometimes I've taken the bins out on the day that the bins are there, and Steph texts me, and she's like, where are you? And I'm like just chatting with a guy for 40 minutes or so, and his laugh is infectious. And um, we laugh and joke and all sorts, and... We've shared over the last year or so some incredibly varied moments in life during the World Cup. Watching him watch the Nigerian games was an experience. I thought I loved sport and got quite passionately involved. He was like another level. And um, we chat about the the small things of life and um, the day-to-day stuff. Equally, we've chatted through some of his family have faced some significant challenges and been really quite ill. Um, we often help each other practically around the house, stuff like that. He's got three young kids, and they've got a trampoline, and we've got guinea pigs. And so, like, the co- well, not the two together, don't think of that, but th- those kind of work, but not together. And um, we've, we've been on quite a journey. I, he kind of, this is a bit odd if you don't get it culturally, but he treats me like royalty. That's not why we get on, but um, he, it's, it's just a cultural thing. So I go into his house... And they don't wear shoes in the house, so obviously I take my shoes off. But then he gives me shoes to wear in his house. Uh, he's like his house slipper things. And they're about four sizes too small for me. But I'd never wanted to say, like, you know, they don't fit, mate. But um, I've, of course I wear them to, to honour him. And every time I go around, whether I've eaten or not, he's trying to feed me. And I sit in, I guess it's like, it feels like it's his chair. I think they have chairs that they sit in. And I sit in his chair. And we chat and we share life. And... I think I'd say he has a faith, um, maybe slightly differently to how maybe I'd see it. Some of it, I think, is cultural. But um, we regularly and quite openly chat about Jesus. We WhatsApp probably every other day. Um, I often phone him when he's at work. We just chat. I kind of try and find excuses just to bump into him. And um, some of our other neighbours are a bit more challenging. Some of them have got some fairly clear challenges, even though they've never necessarily shared them it just feels more of a challenge to relate to some of them and some of them managing to say hello as can be quite difficult it feels like they they don't necessarily always want to and 
Uh, I think of one of the other families, they've watched some of the talks that we've done here on a Sunday. And the first one they ever watched was the one that I did on David and Bathsheba. Now, if you're not familiar with the story, it's like he kills a guy and then, well, because he sleeps with somebody that he shouldn't have done, it's like adultery, and then he kills them to try and cover it up. So not the easiest one for them to ever watch. Anyway, they somehow kind of liked it and found it interesting and relevant to life. And others, we, we kind of know them, or, like little bits of their life. Maybe we know some of the... Um, what, some of the smaller stuff of life, you know, you know the children's names or the pets' names or you know various things about them and we, we try and be kind to them, we try and hang out with them um, where we can. Some of them, if I'm really honest, they're just too busy. They're too busy to want to relate. They go off in the car and that's kind of it. Maybe you wave at them and you just acknowledge each other. Um, a few of them we maybe don't chat but with WhatsApp just share silly videos, stuff that's currently going viral. You know, it is, that's the kind of stuff you do. But I maybe shouldn't talk about this. Some of them are, I think there's more United fans than City fans. And that can, on certain times of the year, divide us significantly. On one side of our house is United, on the other side is City. And I'm sat in the middle trying not to talk about when we last won the league. So one, one, one thing I'd say about all of them is we go out of our way to know them. We try and know all of their names, some of the details of their lives. We seek ways to practically invest in their lives and seek ways and opportunities to be practical, relevant, relationally share the message of Jesus with them, both in word, but actually in deed as well, in the way we live out our faith. We've had some incredible opportunities. Many times, I'd say, if I'm really honest, my, my heart is in my mouth as we've had openings and opportunities and we've had to take risk, the risk of reputation, the risk of what will they actually think now if I share what I really feel or believe, the risk of the fact that actually most of them live next door to us and they're not just going to go away and we never, we are going to see them again and they will reflect maybe on what we've said. What I would say generally is I think we've had more in common with them than not in common. They all, whether they articulate it or not, have a need in their lives, a need to belong, a place to be accepted and cared for. Many have a desire to be or to do or reflect something significantly in their lives. And gathering in a setting, coming together like this, and developing various programs and, and all of that isn't necessarily going to naturally engage our neighbors in knowing and loving Jesus. But if you choose to, I believe it would significantly shape this city and we'd step out in the obedience of the kingdom mandate as we do so. What if we fully comprehended the mandate that is on our lives to love our neighbours? What if we really took seriously that biblical mandate? I think we'd see the world change if everybody who believes in Jesus actually lived that out. We've actually found that we've probably been cared for more by them than we've managed to care for them as we've tried to care for them. You know, the story of Jesus often becomes evident as we connect with those that we live closest to. Jesus said, John 13, verse 35, your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. The practice of living these relationships out creates incredible opportunities. 
for us to connect our stories to their stories and ultimately then connect that story to the story of God. Imagine if we were a people that prioritized praying for them. Imagine if we knew their names, their birthdays. Imagine if we had barbecues with them, barbecues for them. Imagine if we knew some of the practical needs in their life that they needed food shopping, if they needed help with gardening, or I prefer to call it garden clearance. I think that's more of my expertise. But imagine if we were then able to involve each other in their lives. If we're having a barbecue or helping them with a party or whatever, and some of us are involved in that, that actually they started to see the love we have for each other that reflects the love of God. Imagine if they saw something of the kingdom of God in you but then so evidently lived out in you that they couldn't not be drawn to it and want to know more about it by by neighbors let's just extend that to people that we bump into colleagues people and places where actually we spent the majority of our our week those at a play group whoever and whatever that might be for you now with with all of this what what often happens is even where I've started today, I think many of us just feel a bit of a failure and feel pretty condemned in sharing Jesus and living that out to those around us. Or you feel like there's been a complete lack of fruit and you feel like you've tried and you've tried and you've tried, but it just haven't, hasn't gone anywhere. What, what we desperately need among us is a move of the Spirit. Unless the Lord opens their hearts and minds, we're going to labor in vain. But what I want to stir today among us, I guess, is is an intentionality to have and to know their names, to have a plan for that, to pray, to have a plan to to pray for them, to have a plan to seek opportunities, to have a plan to take a step further forward than you currently are. Now, that might be baking cakes. That might be buying flowers. That might be just learning some of their names. Whatever it is, I want to stir in us a fresh hunger and desire to take a step further forward with your immediate neighbors, with your colleagues, with your street, with, with your road, whoever it is, to invite them into the world of seeing and understanding something of the kingdom of God. Now, before we go any further, can I, can I just create two rules? Now, I'm not really a rules guy, so I find it quite hard to create rules. But the, the first one is, I'm not trying to patronize us at all, and please hear this in the way I say it. The first one is, don't be weird. Um, now, some of us fear sharing our faith because we don't know how to or because we've seen it done, and we're like, that's weird. So I thought, well, the good place to start would be, let's just not be weird. Um, the, the good news is, I don't believe we have to be weird. Um, your voice doesn't need to change. The have you ever seen that? It's like suddenly it's like this kind of angelic voice, whatever that might be. That's an angelic voice is okay, but it's just weird. Um, yeah, the way we speak, it just it doesn't need to be weird. The the type of language that we use doesn't need to be weird. The sentence structure doesn't need to change. Now, if 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 you were me, which you're not, but hopefully you will also find that that to me is just a relief. I'm like, oh yes, I don't have to be weird. Now, the second rule kind of links to the first one is we just have to be normal. So if we put, if we put the two together, we're not going to be weird and we're just going to be normal. I, honestly, to me, that is such a relief. I'm like, yes, thank you, Lord. I don't have to be weird and I can just be normal. Now, other reasons I think we don't share our faith 
is because we often don't think we know enough about Jesus and therefore we don't quite feel able to answer the people's questions if ever they ask them. That would often be one I hear reflected. Now, my reflection would be, if, if we think that way, honestly, I think we're taking too much credit for convincing others about Jesus because God uses us as we are. He's God and therefore he can shape the words that come out of our mouth and the way we say them if we stick with the first two rules. Now, I'm always nervous about recommending books. Um, oh, hey, this, this book's brilliant. Maybe it is, but actually most of the stuff in that book is just based on the Bible. If we're going to read one book, we want to read the Bible. Um, that said, there is a book that I've read that I could not recommend more highly. Often when it comes to sharing faith, I think we think it's for certain types of people, certain gift types, certain personality types and we can kind of just leave it to them they become the the so-called evangelists now to call them evangelists is i would say breaking both of the rules because it sounds a bit weird and it's not particularly normal now i'm kind of joking i'm not saying we can never use the word evangelist but it just pigeonholes people it makes them maybe something that isn't that helpful it says oh this is on them they're the ones they're the chosen special ones who are going to do this well we're all supposed to live out our faith. And actually using that kind of language, I think, is, is just quite alien. We're supposed to be freed up to be natural and to be meaningful instead of st staged and clumsy and irrelevant. But anyway, this, this book is written by a guy that I would say is, is really quite normal. So it's so easy to read, because it's really just stories. But he and his mate, he wrote down all the times in the Bible where Jesus is sharing something about the kingdom and inviting people into something around the kingdom of God. And he wrote them all out, and then he read them out, him and his mate, and they timed it, and they came up with an average, and basically it's 42 seconds. So cleverly, he called his book 42 seconds. But the, the premise is basically that Jesus managed to turn everyday, normal, ordinary conversations into something really quite profound. At times, he knew the people quite well. At times, he'd literally just bumped into them. And within 42 seconds, something profound and significant is changing in their lives. Talking to people about Jesus often doesn't come out of nowhere. It comes out of the countless small, everyday moments and conversations that we have with people the question, I guess, is are we ready for it and do we just write it off as a normal everyday, that's just the small talk of life, or do we see and seize the opportunity? Now, I'm not saying everyone we're suddenly going to bump into is going to fall face down before Jesus, join us and become a small group leader and all of that. But the goal, surely, for all of us is that we would increase in our capacity, ability and desire for this to be a natural everyday part of our lives and interactions. Now, I don't want to follow the, necessarily the structure of the book, and we, we, we don't have time. You, you, I'd recommend read it. It's a great read. But we have invited small group leaders to consider some of the material and made it available in a way that you could work through it in small groups. And I, I hope that's helpful. But the series that I started last week is on invitation. Last week's invitation was really for you to commit yourselves to all that Jesus has for you. It's on the podcast if you missed it. But the invitation this week is to realize that the mandate is that we do have a mandate to invite others into our world, into all that Jesus has for them.
Now, there's a few really simple steps that I hope will be helpful I want to draw out today. The first one is, is really this. So as we think about showing our faith, the first thing I'd encourage us to do is to be kind. Honestly, we've just got to be kind. We, we panic about what we might or might not say. How do we even go about it? Do we have the, do we have the language? All of that. Really, I think the invitation Jesus gives us is just be kind. It's going to be very difficult if we're not kind. But if we are, it is a huge door opener. Now, it does mean lifting our heads above those situations and circumstances of life and actually noticing people. It can be so much easier. Stick your headphones in, head down, go to the quick scan checkout so you don't actually have to talk to anyone. But kindness is transformative. It's unbelievably powerful. It can affect people in, in, in ways that you don't even know or see. Ultimately, kindness is a gift of the Spirit. So, of course, it is an incredibly powerful weapon. It is a gift that he gives us. We have um, a WhatsApp group with our, with our street. Um, those, those things have a life of their own. On, on the one hand, I recommend it. On the one hand, I really don't because it's like 50 messages before you've even gone downstairs in the morning. But anyway, last week, one of them said, could anybody just give me some help in my, in my house? I need some stuff doing. And uh, do you know, I thought, I'll be honest with you, I thought, not really. Um, I've actually got quite a bit on. I've got a few things going on. I haven't really got time. I've got a couple of deadlines. And then I thought to myself, do you know what? Sack it. What am I on about? Jesus was constantly interrupted, constantly allowing himself to be interruptible. So within half an hour, I'm round and I'm helping out doing this job that took slightly longer than I was thinking. But the, the reality is it was no inconvenience whatsoever. So as, as we're chatting and I'm doing this job, they, they were just sharing some stuff and I was asking questions and they were sharing some of the burdens currently in their life and they ended up both of them in tears, and they used the exact words, I cannot believe you would want to be so kind. If, I, if I'm honest, it gave me a bit of a jolt, because I was thinking, well, I didn't really want to do it, and actually, it cost me nothing, maybe an hour of my time, but it's not really a big deal. If anything, I actually quite enjoyed it, because there's something in us that wants to help people, and when they like the help you're giving them, you're like, actually, I didn't the curtain didn't fall off the wall within 20 minutes. I didn't do too bad a job. But um, what it did was it built another layer of friendship, another layer of trust, another seed of the kingdom. You know, as a family, they know who we are. They know what we believe. They didn't need words. They didn't need me to take them through a Bible study. What they needed was my actions just to communicate kindness. Often, rather than worry about what we'll say... I think we just start with saying hello. Can we just say hello in a world that actually so often resists interacting with other people? Jesus greeted a group of fishermen. They end up quitting their jobs, eventually surrendering their whole lives to follow him. Jesus greets a Samaritan woman at the well, asks her for a drink of water, leads on to one of the most powerful conversations and most quoted things we're going to see from the Bible, Jesus said hello to people. My best time, I would say, as I thought about it, to say hello to people on our street is about 8 a.m. and 6 p.m. That's often where there's a bit of a buzz. If I hear a bit of rustling in the garden next door, I'm out. I don't want to chat with you. You know, I try and find the time where I'm going to put the bins out, where I'm like, oh, I think a few of you are going to be around and we're going to have a bit of a conversation. Because I just want to say hello. 
sometimes actually I don't have that much more than that that I thought through that I would want to say, but I just want to say hello because I think that's what Jesus did and saying hello often leads to, well, how you doing? And every now and again, somebody, when you say how you doing, they actually say how they're doing and you can then start to relate to them and from that point you're up and running. Now, I'd say if we want to intentionally share Jesus with our world and we want to invite others into that world because we believe that's the thing that he's called us to do, the best thing we could do this week going forward today is step out and say hello to people. Look them in the eye and just be kind to them. Jesus really acknowledged people. Often people that actually others didn't even care about, the children, the poor, the women, the Samaritans, the lepers, actually pretty much anyone. Jesus paid attention to people, to the blind beggar that even his disciples told him, hey, you need to move on, to the poor, to the hungry, to the children. Again, the disciples so often constantly tried to move Jesus on, to keep him focused on the thing they thought he needed to be focused on, to keep him on task with the mission, to not waste his time, but he loved to be interrupted. Last week, I, I walked into, it was just in this area, actually, I walked into a shop and there's a guy sat outside the shop begging. And as, as I walked through the door of the shop, I thought, oh my goodness, what have I just done? On, on the way in, I'd kind of lent my body away from him. And I'd taken my attention over the street, almost pretending to look at something so that I wouldn't have to interact with him and so he wouldn't ask me for money. And I'd, I'd, I feel like I did it quite subconsciously, if I'm honest. I'd, I'd done it almost without even realizing, but as I walked in the shop, I was like, what have I just done? I'm, I was only grabbing a few things. I was in there for a few moments, but it really troubled me. So on the way out, I walked out and I looked him in the eye and I said, hey. Now, you'll have probably found this. When you interact with somebody homeless, you have to be quite careful what you say because what you naturally say isn't always that helpful. I'd often say like, hey, how's things? Or, you know, what have you been up to? Or it's like, the guy's just been sat there. It's not gonna be a great conversation starter. So, so I said to him, I, I said, hey, and I was like, oh, what do I say now? I said, I, I'm, I'm really sorry. I didn't manage to chat with you in the way in. I was so caught up with myself and my own world. That's not who I wanna be, and I'm really sorry. And he smiled at me. You know, sometimes someone smiles at you with a, with a smile that communicates so much, there was such a warmth and such a, an acceptance and a hospitality in his face that we ended up chatting for quite a while about a few things, but that's almost not the point I wanna make. The, my point is, do we acknowledge people? Was it, was it inconvenient? Not really. But do we acknowledge people? Those that Jesus would acknowledge. I've, I've got a few people locally that I've, I've come to know quite well, I'd look back and say, actually, over the last couple of years, probably because we just said hello to them. It started with a hello. Not every interaction <laughs> needs to lead somewhere. I would say now they recognize our children, they know us, we relate to them, we've invited to them to some of the stuff that we do here. I regularly, we just say hello. And actually, when we've said hello, we just ask questions. Sometimes they don't lead anywhere, but those questions just show, I'm, I'm really interested in your life. I don't think we need to worry about, do we have the answers always to the questions they ask or to what they say? Because often when somebody asks me about Jesus, I normally just say, oh, what do you think? 
because actually it puts it back in their court, allows them to share, allows them to feel empowered. I don't know if you've noticed, but Jesus often didn't answer a question. I don't think he was trying to be difficult or elusive. He's just often empowering the other person and allowing it to draw them to life. You see, we can have a conversation two ways. You can either open it or you can close it. And it, I guess it's like this, like, how, how's, how's work at the moment? Well, yeah, you know, I like work in a call center or whatever. Well, that, that sounds fun. That's the end of the conversation. Or it could be, all oh, right, that, how, many, how many people do you work with? Do you, you know, when you, when you have a break, do you get to chat with them? What's that like? Tell me a bit about it. It's a very different style of conversation. I think often when we say hello... And, and they come back and, you know, like, how are you? And they're, yeah, yeah, I'm all right. End the conversation. Or we can really just ask another question and keep the conversation active and start to see what that might mean for them. Do, do you see what I mean? I'm not trying to patronize us now to have a conversation, but I think we've got to intentionally invite people into what God might want to do with them. We just want people, we, we want to know people. We want to understand people. We want to understand a bit of their world. And often I would say that just means asking them questions. My best advice would be love the person in front of you. Whether they love you back doesn't matter. But with everything within you, you just love the person that is currently standing in front of you. Whoever you bump into, whoever you work with, whoever your neighbors are, don't wait for them to do it. Just find ways to say hello and to be kind. And I think all of us would be quite surprised the conversations that open up as a result of that. The, the second one, if the first one is be kind, the second one is be present. One, one of the things that I love most about Jesus, there's a lot of things, but this is one that really strikes me, is he just loved the person that he was with. He wasn't on his phone because he didn't have one. But he had a tablet. I'm so sorry, that is my dad joke for the day. I, I was like, that's got to come out. Um, if, if we're going to be like Jesus, we've got to offer them the gift. Of, that took me a while to think of that. Um, if we're going to be like Jesus, we've got to offer them the gift of being present. I, I think it will change us, and I think it will change the world around us to be fully present with those we meet. Like Jesus means actually to have spent some time with the Father prior to meeting them so that we're refreshed, so that we're recharged, so that actually we've got something worth offering. You'll know all too well the joy of being with somebody who actually wants to be with you and chat with you, or the frustration of being with somebody who clearly wants to be somebody somewhere else doing something else and has their head in a different space. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 talks about being ambassadors for Jesus. I can't Obviously, I can't think of a better word, but what a fantastic word that is. Verse 11, because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. Now, for me, that's the intentional bit. Sometimes I think we can be scared of, are we being like really intentional about sharing our faith? Well, Paul says, work hard to persuade others. There is the mention of it being hard work. Actually, sometimes we really have to work at this and to persuade others others it is is bringing influence to others it's intentionally applying ourselves nobody said that would ever be easy we have to apply ourselves to share with others the the things of the kingdom the next verse says this it talks about don't brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart 
don't brag about a uh, spectacular ministry, rather have a sincere heart. I'm, I'm always nervous that we make sharing Jesus this big thing that no one else can do. The special ones of us, the evangelists, they've done it before. They've seen people come to faith who then got baptized. Do you know what I mean? Have you ever thought like that? It's like they're the one who does it well. It's not about a spectacular ministry. It's about a sincere heart, being kind, acknowledging people and being present. Verse 18, God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. That's our job. If we wanted a mandate, that's it. If we wanted to know what's the Father's job description for us, it's to be his ambassadors, to reconcile people to him. Verse 20, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. God makes his appeal through us. He uses us, and we, honestly, we can't take it lightly that we're his hands and feet because we speak on his behalf. We're literally his representative, his ambassador, as it says. And as, as the passage says, this really struck me this week as I read it, we plead for people to come back to God. I was really challenged by the word plead. Am I pleading for people? Am I actually really bothered about this? Do I long for it? Am I committed to it? Is it like, well, you know, if it happens, because I'll, I'll just be kind, and then, well, if it happens, if not, I've been kind to them and I move on. Well, you know, oh, if it comes up naturally, I, actually, I'm quite busy at the minute. I'm moving out, and I've got stuff to sort in my car, and I want to have a holiday, and, you know, I've mates to catch up with, and we've got to feed the cat, and... We don't have a cat, FYI. But hang on a minute. We are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal for us. We're, we've, we've been given a task. Now, before any of you start panicking and thinking, oh, my goodness, we're Christ's ambassadors. We've got a task. We're meant to be kind. I don't think I'm always kind. I've got to be present. I'm not always present. Sometimes I live in my own world. I don't have all the answers, and I wish I did, because if I did, then I'd share them, but I don't, so I can't. Before we think any of, through any of that, I think it's so helpful. Let's just come back to Jesus and his 12 disciples, the people who were closest to him who you would think did this well. They weren't people of power or position at all. In fact, it was often noted in quite a derogatory way that they were from Galilee. It's like, oh, they're from Galilee, which is like a poor, non-impressive part of Israel. They were small businessmen, some of them, you could say. I mean, that's probably actually talking that up a little bit. But they're young, untrained, often fairly rough and ready, many of them fishermen. We only really know the detail about three of them, Peter, James, and John. The others obviously didn't make enough of a wave or enough of a splash for us to have more recorded or noted. Then there's, of course, Judas, I mean, he made it into the book a fair bit, but for all the wrong reasons, how not to live rather than how to live. I guess what I'm saying is sometimes we place quite an undue strategy, uh, sorry, an undue focus and attention on needing a strategy, on needing to be a certain kind of person with a formula, with a magic way of communicating. You know, like the magic words, it's just going to unlock the next person I meet. And well, I've got this kind of personality that's going to be the one that is the evangelist. Jesus, I don't think, had a prearranged way of talking with people. He was just fairly real. He was honest. And he had back and forth conversations with people. Often, I think, 
he seemed to show us that it's easier to let the other person lead the conversation as it's a way of prioritizing listening to them, allowing them to know that actually we really love, we really care, and we want to be kind to them. Steph and I had a conversation with somebody over the summer, and their life in every way was crying out for Jesus. They had ill health that was presenting numerous opportunities for us to um, come alongside them. They were looking for a church for their child to have their child, so their grandchild to be dedicated, literally opening after opening after opening to share Jesus. Anyway, we, d we didn't shy away, and we didn't hide anything, and we tried to be normal, and we tried not to be weird. Um, and we also tried in the conversation just to show genuine love and, and interest. As much as we definitely intentionally tried to find ways to open that conversation, to share and to talk more about Jesus. Anyway, whilst they were so happy for us to ask a gazillion questions over a period of about a week, bizarrely, they didn't ask one thing about us at all. So what did we do? Well, we just kept being kind and we kept being present. And the rest really is in Jesus's hands. We didn't suddenly get weird and think, well, we're not gonna see you for a while. We just need to quickly do something and, you know, shabba something or other it was we just didn't have to do that we didn't have to have a strategy i think it would have killed the conversation before it even started because culture eats strategy for breakfast we don't need a strategy what the world is crying out for is just genuine loving caring kind relationship patient listening real conversations that go wherever the person wants them to go or wherever the lord might take it Okay, so if, if we're going to be kind, we're going to be present. The, the final one is be brave. You know, it takes faith to step out into the unknown, to, to, to risk, to risk that it might not go so well, to have moments where your heart is literally in your mouth. There, we often say that faith, not faith, faith is, is, really, is really risk. Now, this is unbelievably honest. It's not honest, it's unbelievably obvious the, the real challenge of risk is it's risky. So to risk something, actually, it's, it's going to be risky. You could get hurt. Actually, probably at times you may get hurt. You might lose some sleep over it. Did I say the right thing? Could I have said that slightly differently? How's that now going to work out? I've got to work with them. They live next door. I'm going to have to see them again. Is that, is that going to set our friendship back a little bit? Actually, are they going to be cross with me? Are they going to be mad with me about that? Well, without being brave in a conversation, without being willing to risk rejection or suffering of some kind, you may never see the fruit of what Jesus wants to do in their lives and in yours. Some of you, I would say, would not know Jesus if somebody else hadn't taken a risk on you. Statistically, it's said that whilst... 79% of unchurched people have said that they would engage in a faith conversation if somebody asked them. What I would say that means is that is an incredibly high percentage. An incredibly high percentage of people in the population would be open to a conversation if we would start it. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. We may have to take conversational risks 
I know for me, may, maybe not for you, I know for me, definitely it never gets easier. I would say my heart is in my mouth pretty much every time. I'm rapidly thinking, oh, how is this going to go? Every time I have to remind myself, am I overthinking this? And normally I'm like, yep, I'm overthinking it. It's, it's not really on me. It's on Jesus. He's, he said he would give us the words to say. I just need to be me, to not be weird, to try and be normal, and just have to ask Jesus to help me be the best version of myself that I can be for the sake of others. The biggest thing that then often holds us back is the fear of looking foolish. Have you found that? Oh, I don't want to look foolish. Well, let's, let's just divide that up. Fear and foolish. Fear is not of God, so I think we can dismiss that one. Looking foolish. I, I don't need to share my faith to look foolish. I am capable of that all on my own. I've just got to get over it, if I'm honest. Jesus always works. Every time. I think my ability may misalign. Somebody else's willingness to hear that may misalign, but Jesus always works. Looking foolish, feeling awkward, I don't think, well, I know, hopefully you'll confirm it, it's never killed me. What if instead of looking foolish, you got to see the person have a remarkable encounter with Jesus? 79% of the unchurched would say that they would be open to engage in a faith conversation if asked. The odds are stacked in our favor. What if the person you chat with has had a dream about Jesus the night before and you happen to be the person that mentions his name and confirms it? What if the person you chat with is longing for a moment to share their story, to be invited into something with a purpose and a meaning? That's exactly, I would say, what happened with our neighbor this last week, just willing to chat. Actually, I wasn't that willing because I didn't want to go round, but I ended up going round. And they ended up crying, and there was a real God moment in that conversation. What if we actually did look foolish? Does it really matter? What if you get to be the vehicle through which the love of God breaks into their life? Well, I don't know them well enough to share. I need to know them better before they trust me enough that I might share something. I'd encourage you, name drop Jesus way before that. The longer you know them, the harder it becomes. The Jesus model is 42 seconds. Name drop somehow Jesus. Show them kindness. Be present. Be brave. You, you, you know, honestly, I think the Bible's littered with, with all of this. Absolutely littered with it. Multiple times. God loves using people like you and me. We're the small hidden treasure through which the kingdom emerges. We're the little stone that becomes the pearl in his hand. We're the yeast that spreads to the whole lump of dough. It might seem small, it might seem insignificant, but wait until the Spirit of God touches the bravery, the risk, the faith that you step out in. Our part is just to show up, to be kind, to be present, and to be brave. The rest really is on him. I've, I've read multiple times, and I keep reminding myself of it, and I read it again. Ephesians 6.10, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. 
strong in the Lord and his power, not strong in myself, not strong in what I can do, not strong in a conversation I might open up. It really, I think it takes the pressure off. This is not on us. This is not on me. This, this term, what we really want to, indu- what we want to do is encourage us to go for it, to invite others in, to be kind, to be present, to be brave. Who could you say hello to? That takes the pressure off, doesn't it? Just got to say hello. Who could you invite round for a meal? Alpha's coming up. Who could you invite? Who might you invite? 79%, according to the stats, would be willing to have the conversation. They may not all want to engage further. Who could you invite to try church? I'd, I don't know where I'd be if I hadn't have been invited into a family that is the church, that is you guys. Talking about this is really linked to last week. If, if you didn't hear, I'd encourage you to. But you, you kind of can't serve what you're not cooking. How can we give away what we set ourselves don't know? We don't want to become unconvinced travel agents for a place that we've never been to. I cannot not tell you about the stuff, the things, the people that I love. It's not forced or weird. In fact, I just can't stop it. It's a natural overflow of who I am. I'd want to tell you the things I'm passionate about. Surely we would want Jesus to be the top of that list. The presence of Jesus in us means that we can be the presence of Jesus to others as his ways become our ways. His life naturally then starts to flow out of us. We earn the authority with others to be able to speak into their lives when our actions Sorry, when our actions match our words and we need to be ready for the expected and the unexpected opportunities that arise. Let me just finish by saying one, one final thought. This is kind of a, I don't know whether it's an odd thing to say, but I thought I'd say it. So Many interactions currently, often they're not always real, take place on social media. People say all sorts of things. It's really quite fascinating. I've often wondered, how would Jesus play it if he was here now? What would that look like? We, we shouldn't, though, minimize the potential that we have to engage with that realm, the virtual realm of the ordinary to make a difference in people's lives. I've, I've seen people come to Jesus over it. I've seen people be stirred to explore Jesus through social media. But how do others know unless we tell them? Now, the simple rule, I think, still applies. Don't be weird. Still be normal. It doesn't need to suddenly become a hear ye, hear ye, the word of the Lord is said thus far on a Sunday on the Sabbath that you're now doing something else on. It it doesn't need to be like an eternal burn, you know, like all of that. But whether you feel you have a large voice or a small voice, do you take the opportunity to nudge people in the right direction? If somebody was reading everything you shared, would you have blown your cover? Would they know what it means for Jesus to be a significant part of your life? We have all have these daily opportunities to be Jesus to people. It doesn't need to be awkward. It doesn't need to be weird. It doesn't even have to be long. I think we just have to be brave and take the first step in sharing what has become a huge, significant, life-changing, life-giving part of our own lives why don't we stand together
Thanks for listening. To find out more, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description. Thank you.